Hey guys, how are we? I would love uh, for everyone uh, to stick around afterwards and continue those conversations. My name's Arnaldo. I'm part of the Dulwich Hill Gospel community, um, and I'm so uh, honored to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. And if, again, I want to I wanna second uh, Brian's welcome. If this is your first time here, uh, a warm, warm, very warm welcome to you. Uh, we'd love to meet you afterwards after, uh, uh, for morning tea. Uh, now, as you've heard, Matt, uh, he went into surgery on Tuesday, went a little bit awire, uh, and had to go back for a second surgery on Thursday. So, again, uh, I want to encourage us to continue to pray for him uh, and Tash and the kids as well. Uh, now, with that said, um, we, are, we were in the middle, we still are in the middle of a series uh, through the, uh, the book of 1 Peter, but we're going to take a, a, just a, a one-week hiatus from that, um, and we will be going through uh, uh, one of Paul's books uh, called Colossians, um, and I'll read that a bit later, but you definitely need prayer to listen, uh, and I definitely need prayer to speak. So if we can pray together, that would be awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For this day, we thank you for this gorgeous, beautiful way that you've given us. Uh, we don't want to take even these things for granted. Uh, and we ask now, Lord, that you will clear our minds, that you will uh, make our hearts attentive, that we will not just hear and forget what we hear and not do it, but, Lord, that we would, uh, starting with myself, put this into practice. And anything that will be unhelpful, Lord, I ask that you uh, um, help me to forget that, uh, but anything that's going to be helpful for your people and for those who are far from you to draw them near, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will draw people near today. We ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't know, if, if you were to be asked, what are some of the world events that have just altered the fabric of reality, what would you say? What, what are the things that you would rather off to say that these things, if these things wouldn't have happened, the world would be a radically different place. And just thinking a couple hundred years ago, about 600 years ago, thinking about the printing press in 1440, if that wasn't invented, we would be living in a radically different world. It, is, it completely revolutionized the 15th century, and it's totally shaped where we are today and how we live today and how we communicate today. Uh, another thing is, is a computer. In the 1940s, the first computer was invented. And it was about 1,000 square meters big. It took up that much space, right? And today, you know, I'm wearing a Fitbit, not because I'm fit, but because it just helped me think I am. But to think that 1,000 square meters, even more power than that, is just fitting on my wrist. To, to think of what's happened over the last 60 years. Like, that's changed the world we live in, for good or for bad. Facebook, right? 2004 has completely revolutionized the way we interact with one another, or more, the way that we don't. But these things are world events, and I think if you take uh, the, the members on Facebook and, and make them into a country, it'll be the seventh largest nation in the world. I mean, that is ridiculous, right? These are major events that have changed the course of history, but I wonder if there are other major events in your story that have changed the fabric of your reality. You know, one for me is uh, becoming a husband. I was married nine years ago, nine and a half years ago, and that's completely changed who I am. I eat vegetables now. If you knew me, <laughs> that just, it, it wouldn't happen, right? And, and, and I, I'm afraid to go back to my mother because now she's gonna say, oh, this woman changed you. I'm like, well, great. You know, being a father, be becoming a dad six years ago, that's also just altered the reality of the fabric of my reality. I'm, I'm just a different, 
person now. I, I have to be. And now my kids have to see me eating these things, right? Because I have to set a good example. So th there are these major world events that change the world, but there's also these other micro world events that change your story. And what we'll be looking at today is goes much deeper than becoming a husband or a mother or a father. What we'll be looking at today in Colossians is a change a, 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 that will absolutely revolutionize your life. It's going to turn it all the way upside down. And for many people in this room, it already has. And for, and for, for others who, who may not call Jesus Lord, this is my prayer for you today. That he will come and he will completely, completely disrupt your life today. So it's with that prayer in my heart. It's with that prayer that we're going to be looking at this text. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn it to Colossians chapter 2. It will be on the screen for you as well. Um, but if you do have one, uh, and, uh, rather if you don't, there's some in the back table and that's going to be a gift to you if you don't own one. So I'm going to be beginning at verse 11 from chapter 2. The chapter number is a large one. 11 is a small number and it says this. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And that's a bit of a rough spot to, to begin with, to talk about circumcision. But circumcision, what it was, it was a rite in the Old Testament that delineated who was the people of God and who wasn't. If you were a male, you'd be circumcised on the eighth day after your birth. And that would say to the world... That you are a part of the covenant people of God. You were God's possession. And it was a physical act, obviously. And so often for us, we think that the Old Testament it has to do just with religiosity and rituals and rites. But listen to what Moses, the, the prophet par excellence, says in, Deut uh, in Deuteronomy. He says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. And be no longer stubborn. He says in chapter 30, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul that you may live. Dealing with God in both Old Testament and New Testament has always been a part, has always been a matter of the heart. Has always been a matter of the heart. But in the Old Testament where they were commanded to do it, in the New Testament Christ gives it to us. And those who will be baptized today, and we'll be talking about what that means and what that looks like, have experienced this. Their hearts have been circumcised. Uh, Jeremiah, an, a prophet from the Old Testament, says that we all have hearts of stone apart from God. And yet, he comes down to us and gives us a heart of flesh that can feel and respond to God. And Paul is saying here, in him, in Christ, is where you receive this spiritual of the heart circumcision. And then he goes on. He says this in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. I wish I had a bit more time, but this is what he's basically saying, that in the act of baptism, in the physical act of baptism, it is when we are buried with him. But hold on. If you've been here for long enough, 
if you've come to Anchor, if you've been in another church that preaches the gospel, you would say, hold on, isn't it through faith that we're united with Christ? And it is. But there's something that I think today we miss that they wouldn't have missed. In the early church, so often, what would happen is these four elements would go together. Faith. Faith is what connects us to Christ. All faith is our empty hands saying, I receive what the Lord has done for me. When Jesus was hanging on the cross in shame, naked, dying for my sin, all I need is faith to believe in that and for that to apply to me. And yet, there are these four things that always went together. That's faith and it's repentance. Repentance is the second thing that always went together with faith. And repentance is this. All repentance is saying, I'm living a life that the Lord doesn't approve of. It's not the best thing for me. And I'm going to turn away and cling to Christ. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we receive God himself, the third person of the Trinity. He comes to live in you and among us and with us. And he teaches us and he leads us into all truth. And then baptism. And these four things always went together. It's something like this. When you hear Hollywood. What do you think? Movies. Now, Hollywood is an actual place, but when you hear Hollywood, you, you think about the U.S. movie industry. One word connotes the entire thing. Or like this, Wall Street. Now, Wall Street, I'm from New York City. I studied the history of New York City. Wall Street was actually a wall. Right where uh, the um, uh, Americans would want to keep the red coats out, those those Brits, and you know, being in Australia, I'm I'm conflicted. <laughs> but when you think of Wall Street, besides the wolf, you you think of commerce, finance, and this one word connotes the entire experience. It's a figure of speech. So when when Paul says in baptism you were buried with him, he's meaning the entire experience, the entire conversion initiation experience. So I don't want us to get scared and say, wait, hold on. Does it mean that, that I, I don't know Jesus before I get into the water, that he hasn't saved me, and then when I am in the water, then he does? And no, that doesn't mean that. But so often today what happens is we come to faith, and it takes us a while then to obey and be baptized. But I encourage you here today, even today, if your eyes are open to see the beauty and the glory of Christ and the futility of your ways, what's stopping you to be baptized today? There's a story of this, uh, um, uh, one of Jesus' 12, and he's, uh, he's on a road, and he hears, he hears this guy from Ethiopia. He, he hears him reading the book of Isaiah. And he, he, you know, he cradles up to him, and he goes, hey, what, what are you reading there? Knowing what it is. And he says, I'm, I'm reading the book of Isaiah, but I don't really understand it. So Philip explains to him the gospel through the prophet Isaiah. And they come upon water right then and there. And he says, look, there's water. What is to stop me from being baptized? So I pray that if you experience the grace of God, even now, that I'd be able to speak to you afterwards, that you'd speak to Brian or Brad, and that you'd be baptized today. But what this is saying is that the entire experience of coming to faith, of repenting from your sin, of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, 
And then being baptized in water is one entire conversion, initiation, experience. And that is the identity that we live out of. We live out of baptized people. Martin Luther said that the Christian life is one where we just practice our baptism every single day. We remember that we were buried with him. And in faith, we remember that we were raised with him. And I don't know if you want that to be true. I, I don't know what you want to be true about this world. But this is what I want. I want such a sure, solid hope that this is not the end. I want to know that one day I don't need to wear a Fitbit to pretend that I'm healthy because it says we will be raised like him with bodies that are imperishable. That's what I want for the world. I want a world where justice is met. I want a world where there, there aren't any hungry people. I want a world where there is no pain. There's no tears. There's no death. You will lose no one in the new heavens and earth. Do you, do you, do you want to be a part of that? That's the question. And he continues. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, I, I, you know, I know this is in class, but I, I want to hit you with a bit of grammar. Do you notice that he begins that with you, with, with second person, you, your and then, as if to say that I, I can't think of Christ forgiving your sin, but also mine, he says he canceled our dead, our trespasses. Paul can't think of even speaking of, of someone else and not including himself in this glorious truth. I don't know if anyone here is in uh, monetary debt. But I remember a couple... Uh, it's, it happened a couple, maybe a couple years ago where uh, a car bill came for Catherine and I. We, we just didn't know what we were going to do. I mean, I knew it was coming. We tried to plan. It just didn't happen. And then about a week later, we get a notice saying that it's been paid. And we, you know, it, it was her, her parents paid it because they're, they're very generous people. I mean, and, and that's only a couple hundred bucks. And to think... I mean, what, what gratitude I had to say, wow, I, I couldn't pay this. There's no way. I couldn't see a way where this could be paid. And yet, my debt was canceled. And some of us are, are walking around not understanding, not knowing, not realizing that there is a cosmic debt that we are incurring. And that's what sin is. Sin is a debt that needs to be paid. And unless the Lord opens your eyes to see that, you cannot appreciate the canceling of a debt. If, if I never saw that car bill and it was just paid and I didn't know about it, well, where's the appreciation? But yet, I knew about it and it was paid and I was appreciative. And I want us to see that there is this cosmic 
debt that is owed to God. And why? Because he is perfect and holy and good, and he is angry because we've destroyed what he loves. And some of us may think, okay, hold on, hold on. But isn't God a God of love? How could there be anger and wrath in him if he's a God of love? Isn't he all loving? And yes, he is all loving, but let me ask you a question. If someone destroys what you love, think about your most prized possession here on earth, your earthly possession. What's what's the thing that you most prize the most? You will protect it. And if something's going to hurt it, you're going to protect it with fury. My wife and I, uh, Catherine, we took our three kids up to Nelson's Bay, you know, vacation, quote unquote, and uh, we went to this farm, and uh, this, is, this is her highlight, and this is silly, but this is her highlight, and th- I'm going to tell you my reaction. I'm not, good w- I'm not good with animals. You know, I grew up in the city. I'm, I'm good with thugs and hooligans, and I, I can deal with that. Like, I, you know, I, I'd rather walk an alley with, with all sorts of things happening, but don't put me in the woods, right? So we're... <laughs> We're at a farm. We're, we're at a farm, and a bunch of kangaroos are around. And I said, I've, I've fed kangaroos before. You know, they're, they're gentle and, and meek creatures. And I, I don't know how many meters away, maybe from across the road, I just see this kangaroo just arch its back and just bolting towards me. And my little boy, my, my uh, six-year-old Anthony, he just freezes up like, what am I going to do? So I take him, and I, I just run. And, you know, <laughs> Catherine's holding our six-month-old. She's trying to get the phone out, you know, to record me. And good thing she didn't. But what I, I mean, I don't know what this thing can do. Oh, I, I've just seen it fight in, in cartoons and things like that. But I, I don't know what it can do. So what, what do I do? I'm going to protect him with fury. And, and if something were to happen to my son who I love, if someone were to break in and try to hurt my wife or my kids, what wrath will I have? And yet, we've destroyed God's image in us. It's not gone, but the sin that we allow in our lives, the sin that our first father, Adam, allowed into this world has wreaked havoc. I mean, look at the injustice in the world. Look at the, the, the sin and the perversity and the crime and the vandalism that sin wreaks on this world, and yet we're also victims of it. And he came to take that away. Don't you want that? Don't you want a God who loves this world so much that he burns to see it made right? In fact, he died to see it made right. He not only desires these things, he not only sends prophets and messengers to warn the people of Israel and to warn us, he sends his own very son. It's not an empty desire that he will not see met. He is committed to seeing this world renewed. He is committed to having a people who love him. He is committed beyond the shadow of a doubt to call us to him so that he can look at your life, cancel your debt, and say, 
I love you. And all of that will be shown in a glorious display as people are put into the water to identify with Christ and be buried with him and be raised to life. Now, I, listen, I don't know about you, but this is the story that I want to be true of the world. And this is the story of the world. The story is that there's a good God. There is a good God who created all things very good. And in the garden, Adam and Eve, our first parents, they decided not to follow him. They decided, hey, I'm going to make my own way in this world. And they fell, or rather they plunged. You know, sometimes when we talk about the fall in, 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 in Christian, you know, verbiage, it sounds like an accident, like, oops, I fell. No, they plunged. They gave the middle finger to God and said, I will not follow you. I will be my own God. I will make my own rules. And ever since then, ever since our first parents have done that, we have done that. And I don't know if you have kids, but they'll prove that to you. Oh, the, the, the one doctrine in the Bible, the one belief that is beyond the shadow of a doubt, empirically proven, is that we sin. Is that we're sinners by nature and by choice. And then God chose this man, Abraham, and he said, out of you, out of this old man, I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to make you into a nation, and I'm going to bless you, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm, I'm starting my renovation project through this old man and his barren wife. And he has kids, and he has grandkids, and they become a nation. And yet, they couldn't circumcise their hearts. They killed prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger. And what would God do? He sent his son. Very God, a very God. God himself came as a baby. And he lived a perfectly obedient life, a life that you could never live. A life that I have definitely, in, in the last hour, haven't lived. And he died the death that you and I deserve on a cross, naked and in shame and alone. He was deserted and he was alone. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he has forsaken him so that you will never be forsaken. And that's what we're celebrating here. And one day he's going to come and wrap up history and remake the world and governments will be sure and trustworthy. I mean, I don't know what you, you see going on in America, but it's, 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 it's cringeworthy. And yet, Isaiah says that the new government will rest on Jesus' shoulders. There will be perfection and peace. And we will no, need, no longer need swords because they will be turned into tools to cultivate this earth. Do you want that? Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want that to be the thing that changes the very fabric of your reality? And what we're going to do now, I'm going to help us to pray. I don't know where you are with the Lord. But in a minute, we're, we're going to start dunking people. We're going to start baptizing people. We're going to start identifying the fact that the Lord has died and risen for these people. And with him, we also have died and risen. But I'm going to pray for you. 
But after I pray for you, I want to pray another prayer that if you, feel, if you feel led, if you don't know the Lord and you want to come into a relationship with him and you want to be a part of this covenant community of God so that you can be a part of that new world, I'm going to invite you to pray. And then I'm going to invite you to see me afterwards because I would love to meet you and I would love, we would love to throw a party. It says this, it says when, when one person repents, kegs are broken up in heaven. I mean, there's a party erupts. I mean, the, I mean uh, Jesus was, was uh, his first miracle was at a party. He's a party goer. And it says when one person comes to faith, when one person trusts in Jesus, there is a party. And I want to celebrate with you. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the fact that even when we have ravaged this world, you decided, you committed yourself to us. You committed yourself to this world. And you committed to not leave it in the same state that we have left it in. And you subbed in for us. You came down and you died in our place for our sin. And not only that, Lord, but then you gave us your righteousness. Uh, we are, move us, Lord, to feel the weight of the glory of the gospel. That our standing with you does not depend on our ability but our standing with you is based solely on the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And out of that, Lord, you give us a spirit to obey. You circumcise our hearts so that we want to obey. And we want to follow after you. So, Father, we thank you. And even now, Lord, before I pray again, I pray now that those who are far from you will be drawn near. Holy Spirit, work. We plead with you that you will open eyes that you will melt hearts, that you will give a vision to those who are far away from you to see the glory of who Jesus is, the beauty of who Jesus is, that they will see his majesty and bow to him now. In Jesus' name. Now, I, I, again, I don't know where you are with, with this entire deal. But I do know that the Lord is seeking you out. Just like, just like, we, just like we, we sung, whether we're wandering or whether we're searching, oh God, you are near. And he is very near to you. And the only thing that is required are empty hands of faith. So I'm going to pray a prayer. It's not magical. But if you come to know the Lord even now, I ask that you would pray with me. Don't need to pray out loud. You can if you want to pray it in your heart because the Lord listens to the heart. And then I want to celebrate with you after. You say, Father, thank you for revealing yourself. And thank you for revealing my own sin. Thank you that you did not give up on me that you have not given up on us. And you're committed to make a people after your name. So I repent and I trust. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.